Thanks for listening to the weekly teaching podcast for City Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. It is our desire to be a Jesus-centered family on mission. If you live here in Knoxville or are ever visiting the area, we'd love to have you with us at one of our Sunday gatherings. You can find out more at citychurchknox.com. If you're interested in giving financially to help us reach more people in our city, you can give easily at citychurchknox.com give. And finally, if this teaching is helpful to you in any way, we'd love to hear about it. You can email us at info at citychurchknox.com. With that being said, here's this week's teaching. Morning. My name is Jeff. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here. Um, I typically handle our pastoral care, our discipleship, as well as other random things like our finances. So I don't get many opportunities to teach on Sundays, but here I am today. Um, I want to tell you guys a little bit about myself. Uh, I am married to my wife, Callie, and that's our son, Luke. Uh, we adopted him over two years ago. Uh, don't let that cute smile fool you. He is absolutely terrorizing my wife and I with his terrible twos. Uh, that is a picture of him uh, this Halloween. He wanted to be a dinosaur. So Amazon Prime delivered for us. Um, now, I know that feels like a typical uh, teaching pastor thing to do. Like, come on stage and here's a picture of my family. Um, I actually don't even know why that's a thing normally. But um, today's sermon, and honestly, topic is a very personal one to me. Um, We've been talking about each week of God's heart for different groups of vulnerable people in our world. And one of the groups that God cares for is the orphans or the fatherless. And that, the concept of the orphan and the fatherless is actually part of my story as much as it's also part of my son's story, Luke. Luke's biological dad was not ready to be a father, so his biological mom tried her best and could not, and realized she could not do it. So she elected to go through an adoption plan so my wife and I can step into that gap so Luke does not need to be fatherless. But also, this is a personal thing to me because it's part of my story. Because in many ways, I grew up fatherless. I grew up in a very broken family background. Um, Right before I was born, my dad was incarcerated, and my mom did her best, and she very much realized she cannot make it on her own while trying to support me and raise me and support herself. She faced a lot of the challenges that we talked about a couple weeks ago when we talked about one of the vulnerable groups being the widow or single moms. She faced that and she just could not overcome it. So I was put into foster care. Um, so I grew up from one foster family to another. And some, I'll say some foster families I remember fondly. Um, they let me do whatever I wanted. Um, they gave me all the toys I ever wanted, which from a kid's perspective, like, that's the dream, you know, like, just to roam uh, and do whatever you want and get everything you wanted. But as a grown-up now, looking back, that was, that was actually pretty harmful for me because I never had anyone there to teach me, to instruct me, to instill discipline in me and set healthy boundaries in my life. But there were also some other foster families that had a different effect on me in negative ways, but in a different, altogether different way. Um, I remember living very poor uh, environments uh, where the house was filled with trash and bugs. I remember being hungry a lot. Because I was never taught to behave or to listen and to to obey authority, um, some foster families did not know how to handle me. 
And in fact, they, they kind of resorted to very severe physical punishment to try to instill and teach me that. I remember I was constantly beaten. And one particular foster family used those green garden hoses to whip me over and over again to make sure I stopped doing whatever I needed to stop. And I was only five at the time. So as a child, it was very confusing for me to have one family that says, do whatever you want, and then very, all of a sudden get moved to another family that says, do not do anything, and then still have a very strict and authoritarian um, style of caring for a child. That was very jarring to me. Any sense of stability in my world as a child growing up was shattered because of constantly moving from one family to another. At an early age, I understood the world was not a safe place. And if you grew up relatively stable in a safe family environment, it's so incredibly hard to describe to you what not feeling like that feels like. Some of you had parents who passed away and felt a version of that where when one of your parents passed away, suddenly the world feels like a much more dangerous place. I remember times where I was able to visit my grandparents and my uncles, and they would play this game on trying to trick me to tell me that one of my uncles was actually my biological dad, because that was entertaining to them. How incredibly cruel to do to a child. And I remember looking back, I knew exactly what was going on, and I went along with it because I knew if I played the game, they will give me a toy at the end of it. At an early age, I knew people cannot be trusted. People were cruel. Earlier this month, it occurred to me that Luke is the same age when I was taken away from my family. And that just kind of absolutely wrecked me in a different way altogether. Because earlier this past month, Luke discovered or realized that he's afraid of the dark. I remember the very first night when that happened, uh, we turned the light off, and he was just telling me, please leave the light on. We're like, okay, left it on. And then after I, what I thought he fell asleep, I went in and turned the light off, and then he immediately woke up and started crying. I remember that night, it was just a deep sadness in me of, man, as his dad, I cannot protect him from fear, and he has learned fear. It grieved me. And in that moment, I, I was also quickly reminded that God grieves at the brokenness that his children experiences. At the age of eight, I was connected to my family. My, my, my father and my mother came back into my life. And as an eight-year-old, I remember thinking, this is finally it. This is the happily ever after ending that I longed for all these years. But that was not the case. My dad was physically and verbally abusive to me and my mom. And while my mom did her best, um, she did not also know how to handle me who I've seen everything I've seen, who experienced everything I've seen. She did not know how to handle me, so she resorted to the only way she knew how to parent was also through physical punishment. So any hope that I had to have an intimate, close relationship that's filled with trust with my dad and my mom was very much shattered as soon as they came back in. In fact, my relationship with my mom was really never reconciled until much, much later on in my adulthood. And now, both my parents have passed away, and especially in mourning for them, I remember in particular with my dad, it was a sense of a deep sadness, I think, that was different um, than I think most people experience. 
I wasn't really grieving that my dad is gone because in my, wor- in my world, he's been gone my entire life. My, my grief was centered on that I wasn't sad that he is gone. And even in his passing, I am reminded of how this is not how things should be. This is not how families should be. And now looking at my story, I think there's a constant source of comfort and hope that I've been realizing that God's heart goes out to people in situations like mine. God's heart is closely knitted to the heart of the fatherless or the orphan. To realize that God also grieved at everything I have gone through and experienced to understand that his heart longs to protect his kids. In the scriptures, God called himself the defender of the fatherless. And my soul deeply longs and aches for that. Because I know what it feels like to be fatherless with no one there to defend me. I know and I understand how important it is to have someone there to protect a child, to protect their innocence. I've heard it said that a good dad acts like a shield. While no, while no dad can protect the kid from all of the pain and brokenness in this world, a good dad aims to shield them from some of the worst. In my experience, by contrast, it feels like I'm walking out on a battlefield without a shield. There was no one there to shield me from the full brokenness and sin that existed in this world when I was a child. In the scriptures, God described himself as he is the provider for the orphan. To have memories of days being hungry and living in poor environments, contrasting with what God says is him being a provider is incredible, incredible news to me. To know that he doesn't want any orphan to go hungry, to live in a house filled with garbage and bugs, it means he is not indifferent to the brokenness of not being provided for. He cares deeply. In my world, from what I've seen and experienced, I understand deeply why there's so many passages throughout scriptures that talks about God's heart in this case, from the Old Testament to the New. And let me show you a lot of these. These verses were mentioned a couple weeks ago when Kent talked, uh, mentioned, uh, talked about God being um, a, def- uh, a provider for the widows. And a lot of times the Bible actually uses the widows and orphans and fatherless together. So the first verse is Psalm 68.5. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. Psalm 146.9. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless. And the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. Exodus twenty two twenty two says, "Do not take advantage of the widow or the fatherless." Psalm ten fourteen says, "But you, God, sees the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief and take it in hand. The victims committed themselves to you. You are the helper of the fatherless." Psalm 82.3, defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Psalm 10, 17-18, you, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry, defending the fatherless and the oppressed so that mere earthly mortals will never strike terror. James 1.27 says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this. Look after orphans and widows in their distress and, keep, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. 
You see there's a consistent pattern throughout these passages that God describes not just himself as a defender or provider or protector of the orphans, but also a father to them. God longs to be what those without fathers never had. He longs to protect the way they were meant to be protected. He longs to defend the way they were meant to be defended. He longs to instruct them in ways they were meant to be instructed. He longs to hold his kids close when they're scared, when they're hurting, and when they're crying. Part of us feeling confident and able to express ourselves because when we, um, a lot of it has to do with us being protected as we were kids, to have, to have those things shielded from us that, that actually gives us confidence to succeed in life. And when we never had that period of time to be able to have that, it's, it's hard for us to face the harsher realities as a grown-up. God desires to be those things that so many orphans lack. And honestly, not just in the bad times, though, also in the good times as well. Last week, I took my son to Target just because. I'm not, I'm not a Target guy, so it wasn't like, you know, there was a special occasion or birthday for Luke. I just, I just wanted to take Luke to Target. I'm more of an Amazon guy that sit on the couch in my underwear and click it, and she comes up to my house in two days. So, like, going to Target is, is actually not a normal rhythm of life in, for me and by any means. But I just wanted to. I just wanted to take Luke to Target, take him to Starbucks, get him just hyped up and sh- with sugar. You know, and he's really into lemonade right now, so I wanted to go take him to Starbucks, get some mediocre lemonade, because that's the only thing Starbucks has to offer. No offense to everybody else. <laughs> so, like, yeah, got him a lemonade. We just walked around Target. I specifically took, took him to the toy section to let him pick out a toy for no reason, just because I wanted to. Unfortunately, he, he got this really big, obnoxiously loud fire truck with all these buttons. If you push it, like, sirens goes out and everything. I understand why a lot of parents want to burn those toys now. <laughs> and it was ridiculous. There's was, was no reason, no rhyme or reason. I did it just because I wanted to, because I love him. I wanted to give him a fun toy. And I remember coming home, it kind of just hit me that I got a glimpse into a Heavenly Father's heart, that he desires just to spend time with each of us. No agendas. He desires to give us good gifts just because he loves us. He does all this is because he's a good, good father. In the Gospels, Jesus described God as that type of a father, that when we pray, God gets joy from giving us things. Not everything we ask for, for sure, but the same joy that I got from giving Luke something that he really wanted. That is the same joy, the same pride, the same warmth that God feels towards you right now. Despite all the ways you don't think you deserve it, despite all the ways you don't know what it feels like to receive it, that is how God feels about you right now. And his desire to give us gifts ultimately comes out in him sending his son, Jesus, into the brokenness that we exist in now, to experience our grief, our sadness. He sent his son on a rescue mission to redeem us, to bring us back into right relationship with him. Romans 8, 14 through 17 says like this, 
For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be also be glorified with him. During this Christmas, it's so incredibly to focus on what we're going to get, what presents that our families are going to get us. But this season should be a reminder of what our Heavenly Father gave us, which is his very best, his own son. In doing so, God saw his son experience pain, betrayal, suffering, mistreatment, and ultimately death. Our our Heavenly Father did all of this so that none of us will have to be fatherless anymore. Because in many ways, all of us were spiritually lost, we were spiritually orphans at one point, that we did not understand the worth that we have in God's eyes. We did not know how deeply we're loved by him. We have no purpose. And God said, no, you are mine, and adopted us into his family. And through that, now we know that we're beloved by the God of the universe, that he looks at us, he declares us clean, beloved. He promises that nothing in all of creation will ever separate us from him. That we'll always have him as a dad. Sorry. That he will always be there to defend us. That he will always be there for us. To instruct us, to even discipline us because he loves us that much. A dad has beaming with pride and desire to give us good things because he is just good. But the good news is it, it doesn't just stop there. We also gained a new family. We, knew, we gained new brothers and sisters. We now have this, a new spiritual family that's not built on biological connections, but on the blood of Jesus Christ. And this new family is part of God's way to redeem those who experience fatherless or being orphaned. And I think the church should see this as a monumental task that it is. Because you probably know this, that my story is actually not all that unique. Here's some statistics for you guys to consider. Children in father-absent homes are almost four times more likely to be poor. In 2011, 12% of children in married couple families were living in poverty compared to 44% of children in mother-only families. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services states fatherless children are at a dramatically greater risk of drug and alcohol abuse. A study of almost 2,000 children of age three and older living with a fatherly figure in their life found that biological parents have significantly fewer externalizing and internalizing behavioral problems than children living with at least one non-biological parent. Children of single-parent homes are more likely, are more like, sorry, more than twice as likely to commit suicide. Said 1% of high school dropouts are fatherless. Fatherless children have more trouble academically scoring poorly on tests of reading, mathematics, and thinking skills 
Children from father-absent homes are more likely to be absent from school, more likely to be excluded from school, and more likely to leave school at the age of 16, and less likely to attend, attain academic and professional qualifications in adulthood. Children aged 10 through 17 living with two biological or adoptive parents were, less, were significantly less likely to experience sexual assault, maltreatment, other types of major violence, and adversity and were less likely to witness violence in their families compared to peers living in single-parent families or step-families. Fatherless is everywhere in our world, and there are millions and millions of boys and girls grow up in situations like mine, and honestly, probably a lot worse. And what they need to know is that God is their provider, their protector, their instructor, and their father. So maybe we look at these stats and go, okay, but then you say God is a protector, that he is a provider to, the, to children in these situations. Why does it look like he is not protecting or providing for them right now? Because the way God so often does that is through his people, through you. There's a poem from the early church that goes like this. Christ has no body but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks, compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes. You are his body. Christ has no body now but yours. When we read about God's heart, for people like the orphan, we are reading his desire for how we as people should live, should act, should move. That all of us are made aware that we are all orphans at some point before Jesus rescued us into his family. And we are now given the responsibility to be the means which God cares, protects, and provides for the orphans. My prayer is that many of us in this room will get involved in foster care or adoption as many, many of you have already, so that you can be on the front lines communicating that each child has a heavenly father that loves them deeply and is advocating for them. But there are also dozens of ways to get involved in communicating these messages to those without fathers in our society. And one specific way we're doing this Christmas is by partnering with Compassion Closet and collecting jackets for them. In my childhood, going from one foster family to another was incredibly jarring, but that's also an unfortunate reality in the world of foster care. Sometimes the kids don't even have time to get their, their stuff from, the, uh, from one family before they move to another one, and the only clothes they have are the ones on their backs. While providing a jacket might seem relatively a small thing, it's actually a way of providing and protecting it's a small, meaningful way for our church to step in and help with this transition by providing for the orphan and the resources to the foster family. As you can imagine, my upbringing did not give me much hope of ever experiencing being part of a healthy family. If anything, it looks exactly the opposite. I did not trust any concept of a family. And yet God uses people to redeem that. I got adopted when I was in high school by my youth pastor and his wife. It was the very first time I got to see what a healthy family looks like. And they were just newlyweds. 
They had no idea what they were tackling on. I was a hurt, um, angry teenager, and a lot of times the anger was pointed at them. They didn't deserve it, but that's the only person I knew I can take it out on. But it is through their steadfastness, their love for God, their persistence to be and stay in it when it's difficult, that I got to see a glimpse into who God is. And it's actually through them I, I actually begin to understand that I actually have a Heavenly Father. And this is how I came to know Him. This is how I came to follow after Him. And not only that, it's through His people that I can have hope that Luke, my son, will never have to experience what I have experienced. This level and type of generational brokenness can end with me because I have God's people to show me what it looks like to be a father. It is by walking along so many of you in our church family, I get to see what it looks like to be a father now that I'm a father. I get to learn from you. It makes so much sense that God called us to take care of the orphans, to be there for the fatherless. With all the statistics I mentioned, God wants to use us to bring about change and reverse the effects of fatherlessness. And church family, maybe, maybe some of us here today, we just need to be reminded that you have a heavenly father that deeply loves you, that he adores you, that you have a father right now that is there to defend you, to care for you, to hold you close when you're scared. He is there to help you, instruct you, to help you grow and mature. That you are his beloved child. And that is good news for all of us. And that is the very good news that's going to enable us to go forth and love the orphan and the fatherless. Because when you deeply understand this reality, this beauty of this good news in your soul, it's going to move to break it's going to move your heart to brokenness when you see orphans and fatherlessness. It's going to move you to care about this. It's going to give you strength when it gets incredibly difficult, and it's going to give you joy when you get a glimpse and we understand your Heavenly Father's heart on a deeper level. And you get the opportunity to reflect that heart to those around you. At the beginning of this series, we talked about when the angels declared to the shepherds that he comes with great joy, great joy and news for all people. This is indeed good news for the orphans as well, because if it was not, I would not be standing before you here today. I would not be following after Jesus if it was not good news, let alone I have the privilege to shepherd and serve God's people. If the gospel was not good news to the orphans, I would never got to experience the warmth of what a family is supposed to be through God's people. I would never understand what it looks like to be cared for, to be loved, and not to be alone. The gospel is indeed good news for all people. And we get to carry that good news forward to those in our city. Let's pray. Father, I know you are good. Um, 
And Father, I know I'm well aware that many of us in this room today that while we may, we may never truly experience fatherlessness, but we have experienced brokenness from our fathers that makes it incredibly hard for us to see you as a good dad. And it makes it incredibly hard for us to approach you as our Heavenly Father to know that you love us just because you are good, that you're not angry with us, but that you love us deeply. And you want good for us. So Holy Spirit, we just ask, would you move um, this morning? Whether we have fantastic early father, fantastic earthly fathers, or incredibly broken earthly fathers, or just a- absolutely a- absent fathers, no matter where every one of us coming from, that would you remind us that we actually have a heavenly Father that is good, that is perfect, that is constant, that He is always there, He is ferociously pursuing after us, and will never give up on us. Father, thank you for the beautiful gift of your son. That we now get to be part of your family. That this family is eternal. And nothing can break it. Thank you that we get to do life with you as well as with other brothers and sisters. That we don't have to face life alone anymore that we get to lean on each other, that we get to be there for one another. And Father, thank you for the heavy responsibility that we get to carry forth of your heart to the, to the fatherless, that you have called us into that to care for the orphans. Father, through this, would you Help us understand your heart even deeper, that it creates worship and joy in our souls when we just get a glimpse into your heart in all of this. You're good. You're really good. And we love you. We pray all of this in your name. Amen.